Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields. And here off to my left, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm good, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing good, I think. My voice was cracking a little bit there, but more calm. <laughs> <clears throat> Sometimes oh, it does yeah, that, I guess. That, you know, you come off everything. mute and the red light goes on and says on air and you, oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> Do-overs. No do-overs? Oh, live radio. Yeah. No. Being reborn doesn't mean necessarily that you have to go through puberty again. Uh, well, that's a good point. That's an excellent point, actually. Yeah. I don't don't want to do that again. It was <laughs> fun enough the first time. <laughs> yeah, that's what we call it. Okay, sure. So, so what's just, new? Well, yesterday we just had this uh, 10-10 double date. And, you know, several of our channel friends have talked about that it's kind of a uh, a re... Uh, oh, what did she call it? A spiraling through the energy of the 10-10-10. And that the divine feminine would rear its head and be more established and confident. And, and wow, uh, Prime Minister... Gilliard down in Australia did not disappoint, apparently, and uh, stood up in Parliament and told the leader of the other party, who now, for convenience, is you know calling for the barbecue of his good friend over a few uh, very rude text messages, and um, and her point was that if you know he wants to learn people about sexist and misogynist. Attitudes that they should just look at him. Ouch. That she's, you know, sick and tired, that she's offended when people say these things, that she's offended when people do these things, that people would not do these things if she was a man and, you know, that just had it. We're not going to do this and we're not going to play this game this way anymore with this little boys club. And, yeah, ouch. Fifteen minutes. It took a little time to detail, you know. Here's what the here's what the other fellow said. Not when he was in high school, not when he was in college, but when he was a minister of education in the country, he said this and that. Oh, you know. Oh, yeah. minister of education. At one I point, mean, sexist remarks. Oh, that's. He's now the leader of the other party. Not that far. You know, in charge of the 
I guess I don't know what uh, Australian politics, so I don't know who's supposedly liberal and who's supposedly con- I think he's conservative and she's liberal, but I don't know. Uh, I'm liberal because I was born in liberal Kansas, so that's liberal <laughs> there. Um, to very conservative parents, very conservative town actually, liberal Kansas. Odd that, but. Uh. Well, if I may ask, because I mean, most of you know by now, I don't really follow the news. Um, what, what exactly is she accusing? Like, what did he say? I'm just well, trying to get a handle on it because I mean, yeah, something. Apparently, the the speaker of and, and the speaker of parliament has come. You know, it's come out that the speaker of parliament tweeted or texted or something sexist remarks misogynistic remarks, some have called them. And that that comment came from the leader of the conservative group, the other side of the aisle in the parliament there uh, in Australia, saying, look, you, you, you need to fire this guy. He's, you know, sexist, misogynist, and there's no place for that in government. And, and, uh, and she said, you know, he's, this is... Uh, a letter written entirely out of convenience and it's self-serving uh, because, and then she began to detail public record comments from this fellow over the last few years, and they're all sexist and misogynist from the guy that's acute now accusing the other one, you know. And so it's convenient for him to say that somebody's being that way. That's fine. But when he's being that way, that's just policy. And, you know, I'm sick and tired of it. And, um, uh, Detailed a few of the remarks that have been made about her, you know, and, you know, if I was a male politician that, you know, they've had pictures of this other guy on the leader of the other party standing on the street pointing up at billboards that say, ditch the witch. And <gasps> and quotes like, you know, the prime minister is some man's bitch. And, uh, and she said, you know. Wow. I, nobody would nobody would have said any of those things if I was a man in charge of this party, and uh, uh, and she's right. They wouldn't turn it around the other way. You know, they they just probably wouldn't. And um, well, I mean, was, regardless of whether or not she's a man or a woman, it's just disrespectful given oh, yeah, her position. Totally. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that not the position gives you gives you, you know, the title doesn't necessarily always give you the right to to be treated properly, but the title of human being certainly does. You know, I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's out of line, no matter how you look at it. And it's regardless of stuff that she, you know, trotted out. Because this guy's leader of the other party in Parliament now, and when he was a minister, that was some years ago. But her point was, these are not statements he made, you know, many years ago when he was young and silly. Um, and and I agree. I think it's strange when they bring up stuff like that. You know, well, do you know that in fourth grade he said, "Oh, for crying out loud, what's that guy?" Hey, <laughs> but but yeah. Well, in fourth grade, Sally pulled his hair too, so maybe he. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, when it's when it's taken it's like that, pulling stuff well, up from the past is just yeah, that, unfair. That's, that's unfair. But when it's something that you said in a speech on record as a representative of your party, that's a different story. And 
Absolutely, I agree. And, and, and I just thought it was great to, uh, and I know it's become a bit of an Internet sensation down there and is beginning to spread that, you know. And and then we had this CNN reporter that uh, decided to come forward and say, look, I can't do what they're telling me to do. I just can't swallow it. Here's the story. And uh, Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I've, I've said before, um, and and I don't know that that many people have actually bought it, but you know the people that were in my journalism class certainly certainly would know that the first thing you get told is is look for the crappy story and because bad news sells, and if you can't if you can't swallow the the nastiness of the job that you're about to do, then you shouldn't be in this room. There there is corruption within within the news industry. Um and, and you learn that right away going into journalism. So oh, yeah. um well, this, wow, she she dug up some yeah, real she got in the middle of some real what was that movie? Wag the dog where the tail wags the yeah. dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's Bahrain there she got sent to Bahrain as an investigative journalist, a three-time Emmy award-winning investigative journalist. She got sent to Bahrain. They said, go, you know, do your thing. Go be an investigative journalist in Bahrain. There's Arab Spring. Go see what's going on. And when I mention that, people may say, well, Arab Spring, yeah, Egypt, Libya, but Bahrain? I don't remember hearing anything about Bahrain. Well, yeah, because you haven't heard much except how good it is and how the uh, king or Khalif or whatever he's called over there is a progressive and she did a pretty hard hitting uh, 15 20 minute you know in-depth news piece on the way the government was repressing freedom of speech um, the way that they were controlling and steering the press um, the fact that she and her news crew were held at machine gun point for several hours and you know, moved um, to a different area. You know, it seemed to be a real hard-hitting investigative journalistic piece. She was very proud of it. So basically, she she told the truth. She did her job. She told the truth. Right. And so she gets back with the all of this footage, and she's excited, and uh, you know, wants to see As it aired on CNN. Wants to see it aired on CNN International, which is played all over the world. I. When I traveled in the, with the oil business, the, every hotel room had CNN International. Every little dinky hotel. I, I was in a hotel. We didn't have any air conditioning. It was over 100 degrees in the Canary Islands. But we had CNN International. It's everywhere. And 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 they told her, well, we never really intended to air this on CNN International. And we'd love to put it on CNN, but you're going to have to change your narrative and your voiceover. And... And there's some footage we want removed, and so basically she's being asked to sugarcoat the truth or right. to um, lie by omission. Lie by omission, which and many people and would claim is not a lie, but it's it's still presenting, you know. Yeah, well, here's the uh, truth I went and found, except uh, not really most of it, just a little of it, <laughs> and. So wow. then she found out that that uh, there was a the, the uh, royal family, the government in Bahrain, has hired a uh, 
public relations firm. One of these big commercial PR firms. They do, you know, big corporate accounts like Coca-Cola and, you know. And, all right, somebody's home. Sorry. Or something. No, that's good. I like dogs. But uh, anyway, we got to close this out so we can get to our guests. We've gone past the patient's test, but these were things that I found kind of important. And... um um, but this PR firm would literally call and confer with the editors at CNN and ask for certain footage to be removed, ask for certain things to be added to the voiceover, uh, a PR firm. And so then she got to talking with the folks over at CNN International because there was a couple of pieces that were airing about Bahrain, and she was like, look, I was just there. This is you, – you guys must have been really selective in what you filmed. And turns out it wasn't anything that CNN International necessarily directly put together. They were hired by the government of Bahrain to create content complementary to the government and then air it on their news Well, channel. that's comforting. Yeah. It's comforting that a news conglomerate as big as CNN could be privately hired by any government to present stories that are complementary to said government. Yeah, so So she so essentially she did a story on on a corruption within the system in another country that was presenting bias in the news and ended up discovering that our own news organizations are also responsible for presenting bias in the news. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, her. Good that, for her. You know, it's like wow. I I did this great documentary on the repression of freedom of speech in Bahrain, but wow, wait till you get a load of the repression of freedom of speech going on here in the United States. And you know, so That's needless awesome. to say, she doesn't work for CNN anymore. But it's <laughs> it's. Well, you know, we had a couple of reporters that came forward, and they were from local news stations. But it was the network people that said they have to go, and, and but but they were dismissed as disgruntled. You know that they, but this is a three-time Emmy award-winning journalist. This is not, you know, Peggy. Well, she could always slide on over to Canada and come hang out with CBC because they're great at slamming the government. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure that she'll. Uh, I'm sure that she'll stay busy. But uh, yeah, she she came home and then got got involved in some of the. She got shot at by the police with rubber bullets in Anaheim, and I was just having fun. Wow. Well, c- congratulations to her, and um, you know, um, I don't know. My prayers go with her. I hope that she she continues to do amazing work because obviously she's doing her job, and that's that's. Comforting. Yeah, yeah. Very comforting. I think there's there's two journalists still out there. Basically, that's just two ladies standing up and going, look, enough's enough. Uh, I think we're going to have a whole lot more people getting up and saying enough is enough because all it usually takes is one or two of these pebbles to fall in and make ripples, and all of a sudden it's like rain. You know, there's one or two or three raindrops, and then you're sopped to the skin. Yeah. I think it's going to go. You know you're drunk. Yeah. I think it's going to go like that and and uh you know there was Well, we do love divine feminine energy and um we happen to have a divine feminine on the show tonight. Yes, indeed we do. We have with us uh Dr. Uh, Suzanne Carroll. Dr. Uh-huh. Suzanne is it Lee? Lie? 
Lee, Lee, yeah. Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good, and thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Interesting to hear about all the goings on. Yeah, it's one of those strange things, trying to keep up with current events. It sometimes is at odds with my trying to keep sane. But <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's for sure. I could see where that would happen. <laughs> but, but we do love to celebrate the positive, and both those stories are definitely, um, in my mind, positive. I'm sure there are Impressive. others out there who aren't too thrilled about it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that... But the truth will always out, as they say, and um, and any time it does, that's that's certainly worth mentioning. So now you've never been to the show, so I get to ask you the first question. So okay. excited! Um, and then you can lead us into a interesting and in depth conversation on whatever you want to talk about. So, who the hell are you and what do you do? <laughs> what do I do? Hmm. <clears throat> well, I'm a writer and a psychotherapist and a, um artist. And most important of all, I am uh, an ascending being, uh, hopefully, right? Um, and... Uh, I guess that I, I was I supposed to giggle instead of giving an answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. I giggle. I got the giggle. Um. <laughs> we, we do like the answers <laughs> when they come with the giggles. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I've been um, doing some version of this probably all of my life, even when I was a kid. But I just thought that maybe I was a little crazy. Probably thought I was a little crazy for a long time, which is why I got the you know, the PhD in psychology just to make sure that I wasn't a little crazy. Um, but now I don't feel crazy anymore because there's a whole lot of people just like me. So, and uh, coming I, along. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get to meet them all the time from my website and my groups and all my different experiences. So there's just a huge consciousness shift. We're just really beginning to perceive reality in a whole different way now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a whole lot of fun. I'm curious, though, because you do have a Ph.D. in psychology, so that's always fun. Um, How does your work as a psychologist marry with your work as a spiritual journeyman? Well, for for some of that time, um, actually probably the greater part of that time, they were like two entities, you know. My spiritual journeyman was the Suzanne Carroll, um, which wasn't just a hideout name. It was my name is Suzanne Carroll, um, and it, you know, Lee is my married name. So I always had that name, and I just kicked off the last one, mostly because I started like in 1996, and I think if you Googled multi-dimensions, my site is uh, multi-dimensions.com, there would be like maybe one site, mine, and then it was all multimedia. But now if you were to put in multi-dimensions, it would be pages and pages. So things have really changed. But when I was starting, there wasn't a lot. Um, There was this one spiritual site, I forgot the name of it, that had spiritual stuff. Um, 
and Google had pretty spiritual stuff. So that's why I've always been loyal to Google because they always have more spiritual stuff. But um, at first there was kind of two, and I always had some clients that were ready that I could talk to. But now um, basically everyone I work with is out, and I'm out, and uh, we have come out as spiritual beings, and we're not um, in the process of making ascension normal and uh, realizing that we're just the model for who we're all going to be someday. And those of us that are able to share that with other people make it more comfortable for other people to also share it because there's really a lot of people that are having a lot of experiences now and um, opening up all different kinds of expanded perceptions and communications of their planes and seeing, you know, landings and starships and all these things that were way out there 10 years ago are getting more and more common. Of course, it depends where you are, you know. I happen to live in Los Angeles, and but that doesn't really matter because most everything I do is on the website, so that's everywhere. But um, there's more and more people that are open to this every every day, I'm seeing, and a lot of men, too. used to be there was more women and a few men, and now the men are just opening up like nobody's business, and they're all saying something about doing it from the heart. So, wow. That's an amazing thing, yeah. isn't it? That is I, I've I, I ran and hid from my spirituality for years for uh-huh. sort of that reason, you know, supposed to be a good. And 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 I'm sure in '96 there might have even been professional repercussions had you just come out and said, "Look, this is who I am." And yeah, they definitely would have been. Uh, I know. Repercussions. Some medical doctors have done the same thing. Some authors pick up a gnome diploma and they wouldn't know anything about that. Would you, Jane? Mm-hmm. No, what 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 name are we on now? Um, I don't know. I, I did exactly the same you thing, so except names. for my journey was was so short that you know I was only I only had two books out before course. I came out with my real name. Yeah, crash course indeed. Um, I did all my living beforehand, and then boom, boom, boom. Here you go. This is who you are. This is what you're going to do. Great, yay! <laughs> but I I understand because at first. Um, at first, there was I had so many different excuses for why why I didn't want to use my real name. Um, I had a ton of different reasons, and they all seemed valid at the time. And I, I suppose they remain valid um, for that time. And I I keep using my nom de plume because that's how we started doing the show. But you know, everybody that reads my books and sees my sites knows both my names and. Um, I don't hide what I do from anybody anymore. I think that it's it's who I am. So I can't I can't pretend to be somebody else. You know, it um for a long time it was a safety issue, perhaps for my own sanity, for the sanity of of my family, for but then I went through this really strange journey where I, I just started openly talking to friends and discovering that yeah, yeah, and that that was always their answer. Yeah, and yeah. like there was no surprise, there was no fear, there was no con you know, condemning or judgment, um accusations. It was just yeah, and well that's cool. Okay, cool. 
you know, I and, and it really changed how I looked at myself and what I could do. Yes, and, and also when, when we come out and be ourselves, then it makes it free for other people to come out and be themselves as well. Um, and uh, most people... Most people have a certain amount of themselves incognito, um, but those are, for some, well, I have plenty of, to go on and on about the reasons why the people that were actually functioning at a higher state of consciousness were the ones that had to hide out, whereas those that were functioning under the state of consciousness of um, power over others were obviously there and rewarded for their endeavors. Um, but that was what was going wrong, you know. And so as more people come, you know, allow themselves to be who they are and are able to say, you know, yes, I I do have telepathic abilities. Yes, I do communicate with unseen beings. Yes, you know, I do believe in many different dimensions of reality and yes I do believe that guy is an actual living being and we're a part of our body and as more and more people do that then it becomes easier and easier for the next people to do that so absolutely and not let's not forget that those that were rewarded for so long for being in positions of power were were a huge catalyst for this exponential growth process that we're now experiencing so I, I still maintain that it's not necessarily what was going wrong. It's what needed to happen at the time in order to bump us up to that next stage. It was just in the script. Um, it was just in the script. People, yeah, it was, you know, because you, you think about it, your your kids, they get to a certain age, and you've got to kind of boot them out of the nest <laughs> at some point um, in order to get them to, to take responsibility for their lives. And, you know, sometimes if, if they won't leave, you know, I've talked to a lot of parents who start taking things away. You know, no, I'm not going to give you the car. You're going to have to get a job and get your own set of wheels. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to buy your food for you. You're going to have to get a job and fill the fridge with the food that you like. Um, every child gets to a certain age where, if if they are not willing to take on the responsibility for the rest of their life for themselves, then the parents are kind of put in a position to nudge them out the door. And I think that's kind of what happened. And usually you don't view your parents too kindly during that process. But as you get older, you look back and go, huh, oh, oh, I get it. Old man knew a whole lot more than I thought he did. Yeah. <laughs> <that thing. laughs> thought he was crazy. Now I sound crazy. but uh, and And there is something to be said for the um, – you know, as each of us comes out of our own personal broom closet, so to speak, um, they are like those drops of those first couple of two, three drops of rain. Uh, you know, I used to imagine in my head that the the cloud really didn't want to drop the rain because the lake was so smooth and uh-huh. such a beautiful mirror. And but then finally, a few drops would break ranks and drop and mess up the surface of the lake so then it was okay so then wham the rain would come it's crazy explanations of a kid in their head but it this energy shift is it 
know, when they say the energy shift is is us humans, us peoples, um, it it really is because it does. When you stand on your truth and say, "Look, this is who I am," and like it or not, this is I I can't I can't do the phony baloney anymore. This is who I am. It does empower others to say, "Well, if they did it, you know," and so that's I why like I really fear get encouraged when people like prime ministers and Emmy award-winning journalists do it because that really tends to ease some of the group resistance. But uh, I would say that in your in, in your position, uh, that you, you you've had a rather unique spot to be able to view that. Uh, because you kind of did have a, a foot in each world, and we talk on this show all the time about blended mm-hmm. beingness. Uh, that right. the idea is not to turn into your higher self; the idea is to turn into the blending of all of you, and and not just you know channel on the weekends or something. It, it, you want to be connected and, and make an everyday connection, um, and 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 having that foot in each world, those are the two worlds that sort of were blending, were uh, science and spirituality, uh, in this case, psychology and spirituality. Yeah, and I really like your, that, that childlike of, you know, the few drops dropping in. I mean, that's that's really true. And I think one of the things that is happening with us as we are, because our our brain power is actually expanding because we have, gone through most of our humanness with using 3% of our DNA, that genome, those protein-based genome is 3%. And then the 97% they call the junk DNA. But I don't know how much you know about this, but the Russians have done a great deal of work on that, and that DNA is activated by a high frequency of light. And uh, that, have you have you heard about this, these? About the junk DNA, the I've heard a little bit of a little bit about it, but please, please. Uh, okay, so I'll just give my quick yeah. little feel. But um, the junk DNA is at that 97 percent, and the Russians first started working on it. And just a couple of experiments they did that explain it the most is that they started off and they put the DNA in like a beaker, and then they put high frequency light on it, and then the light uh, took on the form of the DNA, and they took out the DNA. And then the light stayed that same way. So this DNA actually has the ability to mold light into a certain certain form that can become a constant form. And then another one that they did is they took some people's DNA, and um, in the one room they'd show them something scary, and the DNA would kind of collapse. And then they'd show them something loving, and the DNA would like, ta-da! And they thought, oh, this is cool. Let's take it farther away and see. They took it like 50, 100 miles away, and it was instant. Every time it was instant. And so they talked about this DNA being actually wormholes of light. And so the results, the things that happen with this DNA, happens on a quantum, like, in, you know, instant level. And so what's happening is that we're getting higher frequencies of light because we're in front of a place of space that we haven't been in front of for, you know, almost 26,000 years. And we're getting gamma rays. We haven't we used to get gamma rays, so we're getting gamma rays and all these high frequencies rays, and it's activating this 97% DNA. 
And so all of these great latent abilities that we had all along but were turned off, the DNA was turned off. That's a whole genetic engineering thing that happened at the fall of Atlantis. But now these these codes are getting turned on. And so there is it's not just a social or uh mental or even spiritual, it's actually part of our um our bodies uh that is implanted for this special time for us to activate this greater component of ourselves. So it, it it's kept striking me listening to you talking about it that it it it, it is a blended there's a, a mental shift, a spiritual shift, a physical shift. It's yes, a blended there, Yeah, there is a shift. As we are blended beings. Now maybe well, see, we could talk about health. percentages of blend, yeah. but but uh, you know, as as Wayne Dyer says, you can't be completely disconnected from source or you wouldn't be. But you can have a really clogged up connection that's not flowing well. Uh, right. and and so you can talk about percentages, but being blended beings like we all are, that it's just spreading. Well and and the key is to unite this ninety seven percent with the three percent. And so then that's where our third dimensional perceptions of everyday life are expanding into these higher and higher octaves. And it's not like when I talk about multidimensional self, that doesn't mean multidimensional higher. That is, it's all there, just like you're saying. Our third dimensional self, our second, our first, um, that's all a component of who we are. But it's not just what we see with our physical eyes. There's a whole, there's octaves of ourselves that we can see through our higher consciousness and actually perceive like through our our heart and our knowingness through our higher perceptions. And um, and that is an, instead of the part that's grounded in physical, it's just a whole treat that was always there. We just didn't know about it. Just they're so, waiting to be unwrapped like a present. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ge- genetically speaking, I'm just I'm curious from the scientific angle of things. Um, we tap into that 97%. I mean, how does that... How is is there any idea as to how that's going to change the way that we live and the way that we function? Well, there's a lot of ideas on a day-to-day basis. It's well, at first the first person that actually invented this was a person, a uh, gentleman in Australia, and he was looking at the 97 percent, thinking that maybe it was a cure for cancer because. Uh, he was looking at the way that it functioned, and it functioned in a different manner. Um, and uh, then the Russians picked it up, and they started radiating with higher frequencies of light. And so because this is a brand-new thing, and and also because I don't think that a lot of straight-up science is able to embrace this, so... But see, it's part of the whole era that we're in, that we are in the midst of immense change, but we're living in the now. And so when we're living in the now, we don't get to go off and say, well, what are the coming attractions? Because we're creating the coming attractions right now ourselves. So um, it's a different way of functioning in in reality because we're used to functioning in a third-dimensional way where in the past 
we learned a bunch of things and we taught our lessons together and then we collect them all in this sequential fashion and we spread it off into the future and then we follow this trail that we made for ourselves. But as we're moving into our higher dimensional consciousness, like our fifth, sixth, seventh, where we're not bound by the time and space and the polarities of the lower worlds, then we're living in this moment of the now. And so it, it, it demands a whole different way of thinking, which the Arcturians have been working with me and with others a lot to assist us in thinking in a completely different fashion so that we're not bound by time, limitation, and separation. Okay, well, how is our thinking going to have to change? I mean, for those who are listening that have never explored these ideas before, can you outline for us a little bit more of an in-depth explanation? Probably the the easiest way to, to begin with it is that um, there'll be more imagistic thinking. So um, just like in the ancient societies of the cuneiform and hieroglyphics, instead of having separate words and letters, there was pictures, and each picture had concepts, and the concepts got put together. Only we will begin to do this with our minds and with our hearts because the combination isn't just of our mind it's of our of our mind and our heart and our planet so you know we're looking at reality as we are all one with all of the reality and so if you're like if you're going to say i'm going to the store tomorrow if you were going to say that in the more imagistic way you're saying you would say something like i am i am endeavoring uh, because I'm enjoying the the process of going to the store within the now. And so that everything that you're doing, it's right now. You're doing it in the now where you're at. And, you know, and sort of the, the 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 3D linearity of mm-hmm. you know, getting out the getting out the map and setting up, you know, a triptych of here's all the steps. There's there's the destination, here's my start. Yeah. I'm going to take all these steps and this is and that in living in the now, it's more of a, you take a step, uh-huh. and then now it's like you're starting all over again. Well, it's kind of like if, and, you, if and, you're crossing a pond or, or like a stream and you have to step on rocks. You know, you have to be on the rock. You're on one rock, and so you, you, know, you kind of see if that next one is the rock that you're going to be on. But you have to be on the rock that you're on. And then you step onto that next rock, but then you're not on the rock back there anymore. You're just on the rock that you're on. In fact, we went on like a three-week road tour this summer, and we didn't plan anything. We just got in the car, and then we were where we were, and we stopped when we wanted to. And, you know, we did planning and things, but we didn't really know because, you know, we were just there. Um, And it was actually really fun. It was a really interesting thing. We just drove until we were done driving, and then we find a place that we could find, and then we'd stay as long as we wanted to stay, and then when we felt like we are ready for a new experience, we just went to the next place. So um, That sounds so much fun. Yes, was really I was, fun. <laughs> the, the, the gypsy wanderlust in 
the my gypsy partner. wanderlust, exactly. You, you know I'm, my partner you know I'm has it bad. right now, right? Yeah. Oh my God, that's so how I love to travel. Yeah. Well, and that's my mother, uh, before she uh, crossed over, she... One of her favorite things was when she and my father would be up in Colorado, and she'd get up in the morning and pack some snacks and sandwiches, and then they'd get in the car and pick one of the roads out of Colorado Springs. Just uh-huh. pick one, and then go that away, and not like a big highway, but like a little road. You know, see where this goes, and just take off. And, you know, when you saw the spot to have the picnic, you stopped and had the picnic. And when you saw it, it was just, you know, like you're talking about it. You just, oh, I want to go down that road and see what happens. As opposed to, I have to go down this road because I have to get to, um, you don't really see all the fun along the way when you do that. Yeah, and and if you do it, the, it, you know, the other way you read the map and you look at the map and there's all these external markers that says go here, go there, and take this, take that. Um, but when you do it within the now, you're tuning into yourself and saying, do I want to sit down right now? Do I want to walk over there right now? And, of course, a lot of us are still bound. We've got jobs, we've got duties, and we, we can't do that as much. But... You know, it's just like whenever there is a, a new anything, it it there's a time period of letting go of the way we used to do it. Like when people used to uh, ride horses and buggies and then the cars came in. And so there's cars and horses on the same road. And um, that's kind of what's happening now because we're doing this really quite extreme paradigm shift. And so... There's all these different kinds of ways of looking at reality at the same time because there's this kind of mental freedom that people are having, like um, what we're saying, you know, jumping out of the oppression. You know, the oppression pushes you down, pushes you down, pushes you down, and then you like, and I'm done with this, and then you jump up, and then you realize that you can jump up and that you did it on your own. So, yeah, I agree with you know, and in fact, some of the most wonderful things happen after the worst accidents that we made, you know. Oh, how did I do that horrible thing? But then we learn from it, and that thing makes us go into whole new ways of thinking and being. And there's a lot of that that's happening now. Oh, there I certainly think. is, and it's a, yeah. it's a, it's just such an exciting time to be alive and to be watching yeah. all this go on. It just... It's it's like watching a a, a, a pot of popcorn or something. Which kernel is going to go off next? Yes. <laughs> um, you know they're all going to go, but it's like, wow, which one next? And uh, and just like that, it's it, I think being like a chain reaction and going faster uh, and faster, and that's the acceleration folks are seeing. Um, what? Um. Well, I've got a problem with my partner. It's actually a very good time for us to take a break. Okay. So um, uh, let's see if I have music. Do I have music? Station break. Don't do that. Um, Yes. 
Uh, this is uh, appropriate, I suppose, to uh, go ahead and play Aquarius, the yeah. edge thereof. By our, it's an interesting new version of it from uh, our friend Jolene, uh, and I'll have her website up in the chat room while it's playing, uh, and we'll be back in about four minutes. Stay with us, folks. Everybody has a story, a moment in their life that was a turning point that set them upon a path of self-discovery and adventure. Here at Everyday Connection, we value the sharing of those moments, recognizing them to be the inspiring and uplifting gifts that they truly are. We would like to show our appreciation, not just to our guests and sponsors, but to our listeners and supporters who make it possible for us to share those stories. If you would like to support the continued success of Everyday Connection, share your own story, or know somebody whose story can touch the hearts of others, drop by everydayconnection.me and find out how you can become a part of our ever-expanding EC family.
back, everybody. I like that change was... from the dawning of the age of Aquarius to the glory of the age of Aquarius. Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> we have a ribbon. I think so. There's no... Uh, I don't think there can be too much question about it anymore, really. Yeah. Although, you know, it, a lot of people haven't seen it yet, but they're seeing it. They're, there's a lot of people just sitting up going, what in the world is... And, and that's what awakening looks like. People sit up in the bed and, what, how, what? <clears throat> and so... How did I get here? Yeah, what, what? happened? What, just, where? <clears throat> and... Uh, and so, you know, everybody's like, well, if there's this big awakening going on, how come it hasn't all changed? And, you know, and it, well, well look, give give them a minute. Let them have a cup of coffee. They'll get with it. Really? <laughs> yeah. But you mentioned earlier that uh, you've been working with the Arcturians for some time now. And uh, uh, actually, if folks uh, go to one of the links that I've put up in the chat room, which is at your website, multidimensions.com, uh, you have a large collection of books and uh, uh, booklets, but some of them quite lengthy books uh, that are available for free download at your website. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and for our Virgin listeners, let's explain who the Arcturians are and how you ended up beginning to work with them. Okay. Um well, as a little girl, I always had lots of imaginary friends, and my imagination and the worlds in my worlds in my imagination are always kind of more important to me than my outside world. And I also always remembered my past lives, which is really alternate and parallel lives. Um, but I didn't know if there was just a whole bunch of stories that I had in my head. But there was really a whole bunch of stories in different times in different places. So as soon as I was old enough to start um, learning, I started reading everything I could get my hands on. At first I read a whole bunch of things about female empowerment because I was born in 46 and so there wasn't a lot of female empowerment. And uh, so I read lots and lots of books and novels of different time frames and all that type of thing. And then I found my first teacher, Mrs. Reed, and she taught me astrology. She said, you had to do astrology first because they have to know that language before you can really get into the more metaphysical things. And this was back in the early 70s, so it was quite a while ago. And then I just read and read and read and uh, read a lot about the Ascended Masters and um, the Seven Rays, and on each of those rays there is a ascended master, and there's an angel, and there's an Elohim. Elohim is a holders and creators of form. And around about 93, I I was doing two jobs. I was doing the psychology and audiology, and I was working too much. And then I hit that point where I just couldn't keep working so much. And so I let go of the audiology, and I I only had to do what I love to do, but I didn't have I had a lot of time and not much money at all. But that's when my creativity started really going. I started really writing more and more, and I'd always written a lot. And then I think around 94, I got my first kind of a computer with the little yellow things on it. And 
I was heard inside because I've always heard these voices and stories and, you know, all my life been talking to this unseen people telling me things. And it said, go ahead and, you know, close your eyes so you can type in what you're experiencing. So I experienced this like a vortex of some sort, and I put my hands out and the vortex opened, and this big face came forward and said, I'm the Arcturian. Well, I'd never heard of that before, so I thought it was Arcturus, who was the Elohim for the seventh ray. Um, but then I found out that Arcturus is actually a star in the constellation of Vutes, and um, it's a very—it's one of the most um, advanced galactic societies, and they haven't really even been holders of form for quite a long time. And um, they're kind of galactic contribution is that they assist beings that want to go into the third and fourth physical form, um, assist them in, and then when they leave, especially if they're ascending, which means they're going up, you know, into like the fifth dimension, which is a whole, that's the realm where there isn't time as we know it here, and there isn't separation as we know it here. So it's a whole different paradigm than the third force down. Um, and so the Arcturians help with that. And since we're in this process of our entire planetary society ma- making this paradigm shift out of this the dense physicality of the third and fourth dimension and moving in to also encompass, it will probably also encompass for quite a while, the, this new paradigm of there's uh, unity consciousness and living as one, and um, being in a fifth-dimensional reality. So the Arcturians um, are speaking to a lot of people. I mean, I've been speaking with them for a very long time, and there weren't many people who were speaking about them then. But there was one other person, I forgot his name. I've read some of his stuff, which is very much the same as mine, in a way, from a different topic. But there's a lot of people that the challenge that the Arcturians are working through now because they're assisting the whole planet and all the people to make this big transition. And then each person has the same kind of level of information, but they have their own kind of, you know, personality and their own background. And so that's helpful because different people need to get the same information in a different way. Well, multiple ways of explaining it. Right, exactly. When I used to be a tutor, I, I used to tutor algebra. When I was in college, I was registered with the you know, office as a tutor, and I tutored high school kids and college kids. And uh-huh. and that was all I ever did was, you know, I knew the way that it was generally explained at the high school. Well, if they were coming to me, they didn't get that. So there wasn't yeah. any sense of me standing up saying that again. So that was the way I looked at it was to see how many ways could I explain the same thing until I saw the light bulb go on over the over their head. Right. Yeah, and that's why now, I oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Well, I um I always get the feel that they're kind of like older brothers and sisters. Um in that they've been through the process before themselves as a race and you know, I mean Obviously, they don't want to interfere to the point where they're going to say, you must do it this way, 
because we all know that if you tell your little sister or little brother to do anything, he's going to go and do something else. Um, <laughs> you can you can share um, your experiences and your knowledge and allow them to take it or leave it, as it were. Yes. Is that they, they somewhat semi-accurate or? I would call them more like they're our ancestors than our brothers and sisters because they've they're so much more evolved than humanity is. And um, they have gone through the whole process of ascension probably millions of years ago, a long time ago. And they don't, they're not even planetary bound. Mostly they live in their motherships if they even decide they want to be in form. And the, the ones that I'm talking to are in like the 8th through 10th dimension and they don't really have a form. They, they can make a form for themselves if they want to, but they don't. Normally, they live more in pure consciousness. But they are, uh, but everything else you said, yes, they they are guides. They are not parents. They don't say you have to. This is a free will planet, and so everybody has free will to do what they want to do. And so they're just there available for those who have chosen within themselves that they are ready to move on to a whole brand new experience of um of viewing reality, seeing reality not as something that is separate from you and something that is hard and tangible and, you know, if you touch it, it resists, but seeing reality as something that you are intermingled with and is intermingled with you and that our minds and our thoughts are creating, which we know that we do that now, but in these higher worlds it happens pretty instantly. So there, that's part of the the big shift because that means we have to kind of be master of our thoughts and emotions. You know, if, if we wouldn't want every one of our thoughts to be like instantly manifest in front of us, that might be embarrassing. So, you know, as we move into these new realities, we need to learn to really um, be the master of our thoughts and the master of our emotions because our our creative power is so much more immense and quicker, much more instant than it is here in the physical plane. And more subtle. Uh, yes, uh-huh. More subtle. I, I, I've always believed the greater the power, the, the, the more subtle the touch. Yes, absolutely. And uh, reminds me of that uh, martial art where they... They just try to stay in their own center and then find the center if an attacker or someone's coming your direction that there will be a moment where you're in balance with them. And then all you have to do is just barely touch them and they'll go spin it off in another direction. And um, uh, it, 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 there's no use of force much, just the tiniest little touch. And then also what I've heard is that instead of moving away from, you know, the, the punch or whatever, that you move into it. And that's really when we're facing any type of something that is challenging in our life uh, on this from this higher dimensional way of thinking is that we, in, we surrender into it. Instead of moving away from it or go out there and get some outside source to assist us, we just go into it, go into it with our heart and go into it with our mind and surrender into it. 
and then it's through that merging with it that we you know we gain the unity and we commune and communicate Hmm. We call that the awe factor. The awe factor? Yeah. When people are just momentarily in awe of, oh, <laughs> there, there was a piece of truth. Wait a minute. Just catch that before it goes by. Um, and so I just I have to ask again because I... I had my first experience with channeling back in the 80s, and it, in retrospect, scared the living daylights out of me. I giggled about it at the time, but I, I, it was one of those giggles, like a giggle in a graveyard or something, to yeah. break the ice. And and, um, and looking back at it, it, it scared me to death, and I ran the other direction as hard and fast as I could, right into corporate America and job and, you know, get the next car, get the next place to live all that stuff you know it's very good distraction it it can be very good and thorough distraction if you Uh you you know want to be distracted from truth but uh so it must have been when you were first really having this twin experience this dual experience that must have uh, how must that have been because that's i couldn't apparently figured it out and, 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 you know, went the other direction because I, all I knew about was Jane Roberts and I knew that she had croaked. So <laughs> like Abraham, we like to use croaked because nobody really dies. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, for me, I always felt like I was in the wrong place. It's like what happened is I wanted the world with the fairies and the angels. What's going on here? This isn't the right place. And so I kind of created the fairies and angels, and I I called it Jesus, and it very well might have been Jesus. It might have been an Arcturian. Maybe they're both. I don't know. But there was always this kind of being that was there that was with me, and when I'd get lonely, I'd feel this being. i put its arm around me, and or maybe I just made it up. Who knows? I, um, I remember when I was a little kid, there was this man, and he was talking to the grass and talking to the flowers. And all the neighbors were shocked and abhorred, and they're like, oh, what's wrong? He's crazy, he's crazy. And they were calling the police. Well, that just scared me to death because I talked to flowers all the time. I would talk to flowers, and I'd talk to plants. I was like, okay, I'm keeping my mouth shut. And so I just kind of went underground, 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 and there wasn't anyone in my world that I could be open with, not a single person. So for me, talking to somebody else was comforting. This I could be helpful. And then when I talked to this somebody else, I'd get this really good advice. And if I followed the advice, things were always worked out. If I didn't follow the advice, well, then whatever. Um, and eventually I'd end up following their advice in the long run. So, But the thing that was a big one was a couple years ago when I started actually pulling the energy through my body and speaking it through my mouth. You know, before I'd always written it. So there was a little bit of distance, you know. I'm just allowing that to come through my body and writing it out of my hand so or typing into the computer. But then when I actually came into my body and spoke it, 
most amazing. It was amazing. The next day I woke up, I was in my darkest dark side. I was so depressed and felt so sad. I mean, every horrible emotion. Because, you know, light travels in circles. And so when we allow our consciousness to go up into the highest frequencies of light of our consciousness, then as that circle completes itself, it goes down into all the subconscious stuff. It's like, oops, didn't want to look at that one. Um, Luckily, I'd had like 10 years of therapy at that point, but it still didn't matter. But then I, um, I began to realize, wait a second, this isn't something that is separate, that I'm not channeling per se. I mean, I don't go unconscious. Uh, it's there, and and it's me. It feels like it's inside of me as much as it's above me or through me or in front of me. And that's when I thought, well, this is my multidimensional. This is just, you know, an extension of my physical self. And then when I started doing that and realizing that, because I already had other past lives, that had lots of other lives that weren't physical and seemed impossible, then I was able to encompass it. And, and now I can kind of go in the Arcturians, and then I'm Miami, and and back and forth. It's it's not separate anymore. It's kind of all mixed up. Kind of all blended together. Yeah, integrated. Integrated is the word. Yes, and that's... Uh, I love integration. That's... Uh, <laughs> well, you know, people, okay, I want these parts, but I'm not having those parts. I'm going to push against those parts, and I'm going to... No, no, let's just have all the parts. <laughs> let's have all the parts. Um, yeah, because then we can take all of us with us. You yeah, know, everyone that we've ever been. Well, and it takes all of it. It it it. it uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I had instances when I was a very small child where I did things that I, there's no way that a three year old child could know how to rewire light switches, but uh, I did, yeah. <clears throat> and um, was caught just before finishing by my mother who. Ah, you're gonna kill yourself. <laughs> and and uh, I was cons- happened to. I don't remember when when I was three, but I did it again when I was five, and I remember that. And yeah. And my concern, I, I, I was, I did experience some fear around it, but my concern was, you know, she she kept saying I was going to electrocute myself, and I kept explaining to her why I wasn't. But I became concerned she was going to electrocute herself because obviously she didn't understand what was going on in there with those wires and things. Yeah. And it to me that's uh, Bashar in his channeling talks about you just know what you need to know when you need to know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't worry about you know well where did it come from and which I want the full story of that parallel life if I'm going to give any validity to that knowledge or you just oh the light switch is messed up okay you know and um, uh, rewiring light switches I remember but there's other things that I have uh, demonstrated knowledge in that I don't I don't I wouldn't say I could sit down and just explain it to you now but I did it when I needed to do it well, you know, those are examples of you're tapping into that 97% DNA, you know, where you have this whole history of everything you ever were all there in the library, but, you know, it's it's in a computer and no one had the password. Yeah. So we couldn't access it. 
Um, but especially when we're children and we're too naive to know that we can't do it, that we just accidentally do it because we don't know that we can't. We forgot to hear when they said, no, you can't do that. And so we went ahead and did it anyway. Right, and, and then they told us again, it. you can't do that. You're crazy. You're going to kill yourself. And then we went to school, and they kept telling us every day, and that was it. It's over. That was enough, yeah. Yes. Yeah, if, the parents, if your parents didn't get you shut down by the time you were five, school yeah. would kick right on in and handle the rest of the job. And and a, and a lot of people like us and you know, like me, I mean, I... I had like dyslexia or something. They didn't have a name for it. Yeah, me too. I was not smart. I'm a dyslexic author. Yeah. Because we think this is that new kind of thinking. You know, we think with our right brain. We don't think very sequentially. So, like, I did, I mean, obviously, you know, you do it if you're doing light switches. You you kept more of that sequential thought. But that's where my problem was. It's this the sequential thought. So things like math, oh, I was in trouble. But history, I just loved that. I could take in tons of that. I could take in history right up until the time they started asking me to remember dates. Oh, yeah, I have this real issue with dates and time. Yeah. I like ask me when something happened. I can't tell you. I have no clue. When I was a waitress, though, I could tell you what the last five days of customers ordered for dinner and in what order they had it, including appetizers and desserts and how many drinks they had. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you what day what person was in. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, right. when it comes to numbers, mm-hmm. anything that, like you said, sequential, I can't. Well, and. It, it doesn't. Cute for me. It, it okay. seems like it is a linear thing, but it's always been electrical stuff, electronic stuff, even mechanical stuff, but more electronic stuff. I just sort of look at the board thing, and it's like, oh, it's doing that. And then... I turn it on and see, I can see where it's not doing what I thought it would, but it's more of a conceptual thing. I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you that, you know, okay, well, this is a transistor, does this, does, and then this goes here. I don't know what happens first, sort of, kind of. I just know when the whole thing goes like a symphony, this is what it does. And then you can switch it on and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, the guy with the trumpet's way out of, ooh, Turn it off, turn it off, and and you change well, that one piece. And but 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 it's a it's a conceptual thing. It's yeah. more like yeah. literature almost, or art. Yeah, because you're perceiving it in that way that I'm talking about, that multidimensional perception, where you're not looking at it. Well, this goes here, and this goes there, and that goes there. You're looking at the whole matrix, the whole pattern, and you can see the whole pattern, and you can see where oh, that part of the pattern isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, and I think you know, with electronics, it was that was different enough from life yeah. that that somehow I just always continued to let myself see it in that way, you know. Uh, whereas in in my life, I couldn't look and tell you what was messed up because it was man, there was stuff messed up. <laughs> but but I'm getting better at that now because it really is sort of the same conceptual thing, different concepts, but 
the same sort of step back and look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. So was there was there ever a point, because we have a lot of guests on that have a point where they have to question their belief system, um, and we didn't really get into much about how you were raised. So was there a point where you had to re-examine your belief system and kind of make that choice to... Yeah. To, many oh points? Okay. Many points, many points, yes. Because I kept trying to do it the, the way you're supposed to do it, you know, to be normal. Um, and I think maybe the biggest one, this was like my uh, my Saturn return when I was 28, and, and I had it all, you know, I had the husband, I had the picket fence, I had the two kids, you know, I had the house. I was on the verge of suicide. I was so miserable. And and I did everything right. I did everything that everyone said. If you just do that, you'll be happy. If you do that, you'll be happy. If you do that, none of it worked. None of it worked. And I just went into a deep, deep slump. And then I think what got me out is I found this yoga book. So remember, Richard Hellman's 29-Day Plan to Yoga. <laughs> and I started doing yoga. And that kind of realigned me. And I didn't have any money, so when the kids were taking their naps, you know, I put the book out in front of me and I, you know, did with the book. And then it said, at the end, listen to your body. I'm going, ah, what? Listen to my body. I didn't know what they were talking about. Um, But that, it, uh, I don't know, that pulled me in. You know, that's the beginning. And then after that, a little meditation. Teacher. Yeah, and she kind of. She kind of taught me meditation a little bit, um, but mostly my meditation was just talking. And then later on, I started studying when I got my my psychology degree. That's when I started really studying all different types of meditation in earnest. And well, then, yoga is kind of like I always did walking meditation, and and uh-huh. yoga I think is a way meditation sneaks up behind people sometimes because you, yeah. you it's kind of meditate it can be kind of meditative when you very much so and yeah, it's or, very grounding meditation yeah because and it's it done well. it's done with the body yeah mm-hmm. as opposed to i'm going to see if i can make my body go away and be in this space it's yeah a, my- yeah, my challenge was to really stay with my body. I, right. I was going away all the time, and I'd fall down a lot. All my life, I would fall down a lot. I'd just, like, fall out of my body. So with me, my meditation had to always have something to do with the body because I had to stay here, you know. Not time to leave yet. Not yet. Stay there. Well, and there's a lot of people that do that that don't really, may not be aware that they're doing that when it's it has been our reaction to fear and being startled and you know as a race for some time now that you boom you jump out of your body right quick like right oh this might hurt woof and (laughs) and uh um so that can be um something physical like that can be important for uh a lot of people i think more more than might think um because you do, you have a tendency to go off, and and 
I I I have a difficult time just, you know, sit down, get in a lotus position and firstly I can't get in a lotus position. I'm not flexible enough, but but um half lotus, but it, it it but I can do walking meditation, I can be meditative uh when I'm stretching. It's not really yoga, it's just stretching stuff I do. Uh, yeah. But um if you're going to have that blended experience, you got to hang in with the body too. Yeah, and being in nature is is always very helpful. Yeah, that's my walking meditation. I go out and I'll run right into people, but I, I don't miss trees and I, I see all of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like suddenly there's a person manifested one inch from my nose. I go, ah, where'd you come from? <clears throat> Yes, exactly. Okay, but I'm 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 struggling a little bit Uh-oh. with the concept of somebody and and only because it's such a unique path to take. Um and and I love the fact that you took it because, you know, that's encouragement to others out there who who are looking for a way to marry to marry science and and spirituality, but for somebody to seek out um, psychology as an answer to their their need to embark on their next, you know, spiritual growth is is so unique. And I, it's interesting the way that you describe how you studying psychology took you to the next step. Yes, and, and also when I studied, my, I had a very, it was a wonderful experience. It was like a smaller school, and um, everyone in the class, except me, I was an audiologist. Everybody else was like master's psycho- psychologist, a Ph.D. program, and so we met all day Saturday for a year, and then we met alone with our supervisor. And we created books and stuff so we could sit to get our license and all that. took me an extra year because I was working full-time and married and had two teenagers. So, But um, it was a beautiful experience, and it... um, I Mine was actually very physiological, physiological psychology. And my dissertation was really a lot... uh, It was about how we feel emotions, where emotions go in our brain and how they interact with us. Because with me, I I just, I always had this passion. I wanted to know about the brain and I wanted to know about consciousness. And now I understand why I was drawn to all those things. But, you know, I would just say to people, if you don't know what to do, do what you love. Because what you love is, is really our path. And you just do what you love and and then you do that other thing that you love, and then a couple of years down the line you find that, wow, all those things just intertwine with each other so perfectly, and you thought they were totally different. But they all get combined in us because they all have the thing that we love them, you know, is put into that. Um, and But my, my psychology program was very touchy-feely. You know, we had different, you know, psychodrama and did some psychic stuff and I was kind of like the the psychic hit of the thing and flying out of my body and stuff because I had no control of myself. So I really had to learn how to control myself. 
you know, stay in stay in my body and um but you know when you look at your life you can look back and you can see that basically everything that happened kind of brought you to where you are. You know, there's like this string that ties together everything. Well and you had kind of maintained your spiritual connection. Uh yeah. and it's almost it's almost like the, the psychology helped you understand the other people that were coming and asking you, How do you do that? <laughs> Whereas yeah. some people might be have living a regular life and so now they want to seek out a spiritual teacher to learn what's going on with that. Um you almost had to go the other way around. <laughs> yeah, I had to go the other way because I What uh, are these humans doing? <laughs> They're crazy. Well, I, you know, somebody, one of you asked something about a did I ever doubt it? Yeah, every day. Every day I doubted it, you know. And so this was like a process of proving, okay, now this is real because it's here and this is real because it's here, of making it real. Right, right. Because I didn't feel real. <laughs> didn't feel like the real world. It literally did not feel like the real world to me. People would have well, a dream. I know that feeling. Oh, that was almost real. I'm going, yeah, this is almost real. <laughs> Yeah, You're right. almost real. Yeah. <laughs> but, ooh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, that uh, all that grounding gave me the ability to fly out. <laughs> right. Like well, I'm doing and, now. and I think it's it's one of the things we love about this show that we get to hear people's hear about people's journey because uh, it really is true that. When you put us all together, we've come at it from every possible angle, <laughs> yeah. and it's it, it 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 really illuminates things sometimes to hear somebody else's angle. Yeah. Um. And and then that's that multi-dimensional thing is where you're pulling on a bunch of angles at once. You know, people say, "Well, if I had cameras on all over the room and could see this from every angle, I would have known better." You do. <laughs> Well, you know, one of the, the things that I've been getting from the Arcturians is that they're saying that this this planet is such a unique, Gaia Earth is a very unique planet because not many planets are so diverse. Not many planets have so many different types of weather, different types of nature, different types of culture. You know, and way back in Gaia's early years, you know, this is like a, a DNA nesting bin and there's so many different strands of you know dna so many different societies and of course that latest it all goes back to like one woman in africa that thing um and i think you know in the very beginning it goes back to one and in the very ending of that cycle it goes back to one and then i guess it goes around another swirl around the bend but um that all of the 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 extreme polarity, not many planets have extreme polarity as we have, you know, the really, really good and the really, really bad. But all of this is put together is that there's all these different streams of really different individuality, so many different, different kinds of individuals. And what they're saying is as we go into the unity consciousness and as we go into our planetary ascension, we're going to retain that seed of our individuality. And so as we move up into the the higher frequencies of reality and we like 
take all of our experiences and everything that we have learned in our long sojourn into form and lower frequencies, we have this beautiful gift of all this wonderful diversity where we're all doing the same thing in a really little different way. And that, I mean, that's a very beautiful thing. Yeah, we're it is. We're a rowdy it, bunch. It's super, super important, I think, for people to hold on to that idea because I think the idea of unity consciousness scares so many people simply because as much as we have in our history fought against each other because of the differences, uh-huh. on a very deep soul level, we really embrace our individual nature and our ability to make choices and to have free will. And the idea that unity consciousness might take that away could be very scary for some. So it's it's a real comfort to know that we can take that individual individuality with us to the next step of our in our evolution. Yeah. And and, 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 and important for people to hear it. Yeah. And that's our contribution to the unity consciousness. You know, like we all have a different colored marble. Remember, I don't really age myself on the marbles. I don't think kids play with marbles anymore. But, you know, we all have something, our own little... because we all lost our marbles. Yeah, we all lost our marbles. (laughs) Crystal. We can say crystal. We all have a little different crystal. Yeah. Or a different colored case on their iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. A different colored case on their iPhone. Yeah. And, but it all goes together into that same pot. And... And it's a very cohesive part. So unity isn't lack of individuality. It's lack of separation. And it's not that we're just one big glump of, you know, one big glump. It's that our perception has expanded so that we can see the energy fields that connect everyone. And so we don't think that there's just, like, empty separate space in between. You know, our auras are huge, and they overlap, and many myriad overlapping auras and you know energy streams and and our thoughts are an energy field and our breaths an energy field our heartbeat puts out an energy field so everybody's got like a huge energy field and so we're all overlapping in our energy fields and science is making progress in some of those areas i know the they're doing right. some amazing work at the heart math institute about yeah the electromagnetic field that the heart puts out and Exactly. I was just reading some more about that today. Um, that that's our they call that our fifth brain or whatever. Right, um, right. And and it it it's also one of those things that always seemed obvious to me, but it Yes. Science is when you look at the body, even if you just look at okay, it's we're gonna look at the body and we're gonna say the brain is running the show. The vast majority of information that flows, flows into the brain, not out. Yeah, exactly. The whole rest of the body and the heart are talking to the brain, but the brain's not talking back much. Little, but... And that information is flying actually into our pineal gland, you know, which is our uh, our portal to the higher frequencies of light. It actually has a retina, you know, it actually... Um, is is a receptor of higher frequencies of light, you know, and then it actually comes into our body. But it, but what I've heard is that the the high heart is what really translate that translates that information. Because right. 
this higher frequency of light is based on unconditional love. And, you know, our human brains couldn't even begin to do a lot of translating, translating on that concept. And so it goes into our our high heart, which is actually a heart that's in our etheric field, and um, it's actually on top of our immune immune system, our thymus gland. So this is our, you know, our spiritual center, and this is where we, because when people channel, when people write, we don't realize we're doing it, but it comes in all at once. It comes in like instant, and then there's this translation process. We have to translate it from light language, which is all images and pictures all interwoven into like a timeless, spaceless picture. And I don't, you know. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it can be a really <laughs> interesting experience, too, because I, I know I would like, oh, okay, there's a download. Yes. But then the download was the answers to questions somebody was going to ask the next day that I didn't know what the questions were yet, I yes. thought. Exactly. Because um, it's out that of time, time thing. Bound by time. <laughs> yeah, right. But mm-hmm. that time thing—it's always—it's always confused me. But I do see by the measurement device on the wall that <laughs> that time is up. <laughs> that that we have we've reached our allotted ninety minutes. Uh, it's been absolutely delightful. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you both of you so much. Yeah. Uh-oh. It was our pleasure. Is Jean again? No, there you are. <laughs> no, I'm here. But uh, we want to be sure and let people know. Uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, the website is multidimensions.com. Um, and we'll also have links up to your YouTube channel because you have a lot of guided meditations and visualizations and, and wonderful material uh, besides the books for folks that aren't into the reading. You've got audiovisual stuff for them. So uh, we want to be sure that people can find you. But they can find all of that through multidimensions.com. Right. Yeah, everything is on. Um, we have, a, we have uh-huh. a lot of podcast listeners, and we love our podcast listeners. Yeah. Thank you. We love man. you guys. <laughs> there's, there's I love you, too. I love all you, I love and you. we love all you guys in the chat room, too, for being with us. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, we've collected several members of the EC family. And... Uh, so glad to have to have had you join us, and and we would love to have you back again. We've got pl- more than we could cover in ninety minutes. Yes, <laughs> and, and and more is developing within every moment of the now. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and that's for for any of those of you that have been following her work for some time, like I have. Uh, you've recently updated your Arcturian teachings book and uh, remembering the return book, so. Folks might want to read it again. New stuff. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Okay. Now let's see. We have a calendar. Jane, we have future guests. We have somebody coming. Oh, I'm sure we do. I have a calendar. Um, ah, you have the calendar. I don't. I don't do time. Remember? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> uh, that's why the calendar's kind of empty. But but Tuesday we <gasps> have. Um, Tuesday, we have some folks coming to join us, Neil Gower and Ilya Nabut Bosk. Okay, Ilya. And um, (laughs) they're part of the team at Portal to Ascension. 
and they're going to join us and talk about their cosmic reunion in 2012. It's quite a celebration uh, meeting. Uh, Bashar is going to be there. They they just they've pulled together a lot of great folks uh, to sort of have the hey we made it we're here yay and uh, no I I'm looking forward to all the cool celebrations that are going on. So many of them are available online. You can just like I don't know party for three days on the, all through December. <laughs> Very cool. Starting at twelve twenty, run right through to twelve twenty one. Been waiting for this for a while. I hope everybody's not disappointed when they wake up in the morning at twelve twenty two. May seem a little anticlimactic. I'm here. It's cold, rainy, and what? Um, <laughs> Okay, um, a little anticlimactic. I was lost in the anticlimax there. I was having the, I was laughing about the people waking up. Okay, happened. Anyway, uh, so we're gonna have great stuff going on Tuesday. Y'all have a wonderful weekend. Join us then. Uh, but until then, stay connected. Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. biggest question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.